Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Unboxing God. This is the fourth and final lesson in our series, and I've had a blast with it, and I'm excited about this final lesson. Before we go any further, I want to welcome all the men at TCI Correctional Facility, guys. You just had a worship night. Your own worship team led the night this past Tuesday, and I heard it was absolutely amazing. And I'm hearing about people accepting Christ, and it's amazing getting their cellmates to accept Christ. Can we give it up just for TCI again, guys? Congratulations, guys. We're excited about what's happening. And I want to welcome our Boardman campus. If you're a guest in Boardman, my name is Joe. I'm the lead pastor here at Believers. And you already experienced an incredible service. Now I have the privilege of teaching both our campuses simultaneously. So welcome. And this series, Unboxing God, the premise is our modern day technology and what I've done on YouTube, my kids told me how to do it, but if you have any product, you wanna know how it works, you can put that product name in YouTube, and model number, you do a search, and somebody took the time. These, some of these people are so nice. They took the time, they videoed it, and uh, they take it out of the box, so to speak, and they show you how to set it up, they show you the features, and that's helped me over and over. So we thought, why don't we unbox God and just take some aspects of God and help take them out of the box and help you and I understand them more clearly. So that's what this series is. And what we're gonna do uh, today in this fourth lesson is we're gonna unbox what uh, the Bible calls our authority and the fact that God has given us authority over our enemy. And we had a blast in the other services, so I know we're gonna have fun in this service too. And I wanna open with a story. This is a true story. This story happened when the church was seven years old. So at that time, I was, uh, I was 31 years old. And uh, it's quite a while ago, right? And um, so I had this event happen in my life. It was, it was very personal, had nothing to do with the church, but it was this personal event. And um, it just knocked me for a loop. And it opened the door for these tormenting thoughts of insecurity. And I'm not making this up. I had never felt insecurity in my lifetime. I'm a very confident person. And it was the first time in my life that I had thoughts of insecurity. And they weren't just normal thoughts. They were tormenting thoughts. They went from morning to night, and I could not get rid of them. They just stuck with me, and they stuck with me. So I asked Gina to pray for me. Gina prayed, and she spoke to them and said, go. Not, nothing against Gina's ability to pray, but nothing happened, right? And, and then uh, I went to a couple mentors, and they prayed, and they told them to go, and nothing happened. And so it was, it was a very, it took a year. It was a very dark year, because I don't know if you've ever been in a state like that, but it just nags you all day long, and it was like a dark time. And um, I, what I had to do is find some books. I read some great books, and then I studied it out, looked for some scriptures, and I learned something that I'm gonna unbox today. Some of the things I knew, but I saw something like I've never was able to see it before, and it changed my life when it comes to taking authority. We're gonna talk about taking authority over the enemy, and here's what you may not know if you're newer. The enemy has the ability to insert negative thoughts into our head. Uh, he has that ability, and uh, him and his helpers, they will do that, and we're gonna come to see uh, that we have the ability to get rid of those thoughts and take control of those thoughts. And I want you to see why it's so important. So here's my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding 
more clearly than ever, and it goes like this. You can mind your mind. So we know the second mind is referring to what? Our thoughts, our head. And if you're around my age or older, you know what this first mind is referring to. When I was in first grade, I, I was an antsy little kid, and I'd pull girls' hairs in front of me, and my teachers would have to tell me, and this is how they spoke to me. They, they'd say, Joey, mind your manners. And I knew when they said, mind your manners, I knew what they meant. They meant control yourself, right? And when I say you can mind your mind, I mean you can control the thoughts in your mind. But I thought that's something easier to remember, right? You can mind your mind. And so you and I have that authority that's been given to us by Jesus. And and I'll make sure you understand that. Here's a great verse that just brings it to life. It's in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 4.23. And it reads like this, carefully guard your thoughts. And some translations say, guard your heart with all diligence or your mind. And what happens in your heart, in your mind? Thoughts, right? Um, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. And if your thoughts become negative and you take the wrong thoughts and you accept them, sometimes we begin to believe a lie and that really takes us down a terrible path. But sometimes it just brings us to this place to where God's life can't flow through us, even as Christians. So what is God saying to us? He's saying, if you want my life to flow through you, if you want to see me give you peace and everything else you need, you're going to have to learn to guard your thoughts. And if you don't guard them, they won't, be, uh, they won't be guarded. You'll have all kinds of things popping in and out of your mind. So just so you understand what I'm talking about, and it doesn't have to be tormenting. It could just be those little thoughts that come through the day that we accept. Once you accept them, he'll leave you alone. Uh, so I just put it in a category for you. Enemy inserted thoughts, all right? You can have thoughts to give up, thoughts to walk away from God, uh, thoughts to sin. Thoughts to fear, thoughts of insecurity, thoughts that I'm not worthy, thoughts that I'm going to fail or I am a failure, thoughts that people don't like me. And I I talk to a lot of people that have those thoughts going on, or this one too, thoughts that God is upset with me. And you see the et cetera, it goes on. This is not a complete list. And what I want to do is help you understand that you can mind your mind, but you have to mind it. Gina couldn't mind mine. My mentors couldn't mind my mind. You have to mind your mind. And here's a great scripture. Look at this one. James 4, 7. So give yourselves humbly to God. This is talking to us as Christians. And you know what it means to give yourself humbly to God? Jesus, I love you. I'm surrendered to you. You're my Lord. And you just have that hard attitude of surrender. And then it goes on to say this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, the word resist, it's a Greek word that's a military term. You know what it means? It means just to fight. Get your weapon and fight. Don't retreat. Don't stand there. Go after him. And so we are to resist the devil. I'll show you how to do it. And and then notice this, he will flee from us. But I had to learn something and see something before I had enough power to deal with that one thing. But here's what I want to emphasize before we go to the next one. You have to resist. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to learn to do this. I can pray for you, and others can pray for you, and we can intercede and ask God to help you, but you're going to have to take control of your mind. Peter said it this way. Be careful. Watch for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Now, this is really important. Guys, 
watch this. Notice the first part. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan. This church, if you just read the history, they're already under severe attack. They are being persecuted so severely that their homes are being taken from them. They're being told, if you don't deny Jesus, uh, we're going to take your homes. They took their homes. They, they fired them from their jobs. Some of them were being thrown into jail. So they're already going through it, and it seems odd that he's writing to them saying, watch out for attacks from Satan. But here's why. Every time you and I are going through anything negative, any problems, anything at all, any trials, the enemy always comes and the real battle takes place here. There's a battle during the battle and he's telling them, guys, you have quite a battle going on. Now I need you to deal with this. Don't allow your heads to, to accept thoughts that don't belong in there. And so when I talked about my event, uh, that was a battle. And you'll find out, guys, the, the enemy always finds out where's your weak spot and then he always comes and here's his big goal. It's real simple. He's like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. And for one year, he tore my life apart. And his goal was to just get me to you know, crack or do something wrong or you know, make the wrong decision, walk away from ministry, whatever God called me to do. And he's going to try to do that with you. Notice the very next verse, verse 9. Stand firm. Same Greek word translated as resist in James. So uh, he's telling you fight. We got to do something. And then he says, uh, when he attacks, trust the Lord. Remember that other Christians around the world are going through these sufferings too. Now he's talking about the, the battle out here, but he's telling them, guys, everybody else is going through it. And then going back up to the next verse, you're going to have to resist and you're going to have to win this battle or you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to succeed. You'll still go to heaven, but he's going to have his way with you. So, We'll show you how to resist in a moment, but now I want to show you what really helped me uh, take control of those tormenting thoughts that were there because of an outside event. And I phrased it this way. Our authority is a result of, our, of position, not condition. So condition is who you are. So you might be junior high uh, in this room. Uh, you know, so you're not fully grown yet and you're, you know, you don't have all your muscles or whatever, you know, your stamina yet. Or you can be a 95-year-old grandma who's weak and frail. And you know what? It really doesn't matter because it's not about your condition. You could be a, a six-month-old Christian. It doesn't matter. Your authority is not based on your condition. It's based on your position. And I'll help you understand what that means. Here's a true story. My daughter, Michelle, was commuting back and forth to YSU years ago. And she's coming home, going north on 680. She goes to get off on the 711 bypass and she skids and her car hits a pole and literally knocks the pole over. Well, the police officer rode her up and she had to go to court. Well, she's my little girl, so I went to court with her. And we walk into this courtroom, 80, 90 people, and the judge is up there, an older man, kind of frail, but really grouchy and mean. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching. All, we went about halfway, so we watched all these people go up. And poor Michelle's having to watch him treat these people terribly, demeaning, mean, nasty. And I'm just thinking, he must not have a boss, because if he had a boss, that boss would fire him. He's doing a terrible job, right? And uh, I, I don't mind his verdict, but can we do this with a little kindness, right, or niceness. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just not happy with this guy, but I thought, 
Michelle, how can, how can you be mean to her, right? You, you can't be mean to my daughter. She's just a girl that was going to college, right? Made a mistake. So he calls her name finally, and I can tell she's shaken by watching how he's treating everybody else. So I get up and go with her, and we're not even halfway, and the judge says, hey, buddy, I didn't call your name. I called hers. Go sit down. And so me being me, I had to explain myself, and I said, oh, sir, I'm her dad. I'm going to come up and say, he goes, I told you to sit down. I don't care who you are. Go sit in your seat. I'm like, okay, you know. I didn't say okay. I just went and sat down. And so I'm sitting there, and I I am not humiliated, have no humiliation. I'm just angry. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, how dare him? Uh, Why is he so cruel? And I wanted to stand up and tell him off. That's all I could think about is standing up and telling them off. Tell them, you need to correct your behavior, buddy. You're doing everything wrong. And uh, if anybody that's going to vote for you is ever in this courtroom, they're not voting for you anymore, right? And I'm just thinking about that. Then I thought, you know what? He's an older fell man. I'm never the toughest guy in the room. Uh, even when I was, you know, now I'm 60, but even in my young days, I was never the toughest guy in the room, but I thought I can take this guy. And I, I, I thought about meeting him at his car, roughing him up a little, getting my finger in his face, you know? I th- all those thoughts are going through me. And, and then I saw something, and, I, and I, it just was like I had a revelation that became a spiritual revelation. I realized, you know what? In this courtroom, this is his domain. He has complete authority because of where he's seated, because of that robe. And if I do anything, there's police officers standing right there. He's going to throw me out or throw me into jail. And I just thought, oh, I can't do anything. He has complete authority in this realm. Now listen very carefully. If you're a Christian, you're that judge. Now, would you please be that judge nicely? Don't be a grouch, right? But you're that judge. And in this realm, this earth that you live in, you have complete authority. And it's not a police officer that's going to back you up. It's angels. When you tell the devil, get out of my head, he has to flee. He has to listen to you. But it wasn't until I saw its position not condition. When I, I think of condition, I think, oh, I'm not, I didn't pray enough today, and, and, or I didn't, I didn't worship today, or I didn't read my Bible enough today. That's all condition. Hey, whether you do that or not, it's good to do it. You're still in, in a position that gives you authority. So I want to show you your position. Uh, let's, let's take a look at Ephesians. A really cool scripture, Ephesians 1.20, talking about Jesus at first. And it says, God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So after Jesus was raised to the dead, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. A lot of the Bibles, they use as things that are happening in the day and kings were common back then. And if someone sat at the right hand of a king, that means the king gave him full authority over the kingdom. There's two other things that happened, but we don't have time for those. But he gave him full authority over the kingdom. And listen to the next verse. Um, It says in verse uh, 21, Uh, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And all of us could say, yay, Jesus, that's Jesus. But watch, he gave gave it to you. Uh, Listen to verse 22. When it comes to the devil, we don't have control of the countries, right, and all the kings, but we do over the enemy. It says, and God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. And they're using the example of a human body. So my head, my body, they're one. And so we could say it just in this scripture, we could say, hey, if everything's under his feet, we are his feet. So the enemy's under our feet, right? 
But then God spells it out to make sure nobody can say it's not true. So listen to this, guys. Ephesians 2, 6, just a couple verses down. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So think about it. I'm here, you're here, so we're not there, right? Well, this is called positional truth. This is what Paul wrote. You remember how he finished three quarters of the New Testament? It, the majority of it is what we call uh, the Pauline revelation. It's positional truth. And here's what it's saying. When you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit, this isn't water baptism, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ. You became one with him. You can't see it with these eyes, but you're united with Christ. That's why the Bible says you died with him, you've been raised with him, and you are seated right at the right hand of Christ. That means you have authority over the enemy because of your position. You're like that judge. You're up there, man, and you're wearing your robe of righteousness, and it has nothing to do with how perfect you are. You have the right and the privilege to take control of your thought life. You can take control. Hey, I think it's time just, can we give it up and say thank you, God, man? That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, man, pretty awesome. So I want to show you how Jesus took authority. Uh, listen to this, Matthew 4, 1, verse 2. Verse one and, and uh, two. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. So Jesus is very hungry. If you've ever water fasted, I, the longest water fast I made was 11 days and I was hungry when it ended. It's, it's a hungry time, right? So Jesus now is almost done with 40. He's very hungry, but the devil came to tempt him and here's why. Jesus is inside of Jesus' body. That's God, the Son, created the heavens and the earth. But he's in a human body. And he had to pass the test that Adam and Eve failed. And this is a big deal, him passing this test. And God allowed him to get to a very weak time in his life. So, I mean, he's starving. And I, I want you to see how the devil attacks your weakest parts. He attacks where you're going through trial. And look at his first temptation, verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And so he's tempting him to do something before the fast is over. And you know, even if the devil was there, when he spoke, didn't thoughts go into Jesus' head? Those are thoughts, man, and they come into our heads too. And it's amazing. You know, when you're fasting, um, I'm telling you, broccoli looks good. Raw broccoli looks good when you're fasting. Apples look like, man, it's better than a donut. It's like, I'll take anything I can get, right? And he's telling them, you're powerful enough to take, take a stone and turn it into bread. And it's like, and everybody likes bread, right? Or most of us do. So listen how Jesus answered. And watch his authority. He, he, watch how he resisted. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I want you to see what he did. You can mind your mind. Jesus was minding his mind. So what did he do? He spoke to the thought. And he said, no way, I'm not. You go. And that, that thought had to leave. And I think it's just fascinating how he spoke. Do you know what else he did? He quoted some scripture, right? Now I want to make sure you hear this. I am probably the worst memorizer in this room. I am terrible at memorizing. Do you know when we sing a song uh, that we sing two, four months in a row, we just keep singing it? I, I can't, I don't know the words. I, I can't remember any of them. I, I have to read every word. 
and my kids laugh at me. I don't know, I'm just terrible in that particular area. And even with scripture, I read the Bible all the time. I meditate on scriptures, but I can never, hardly ever remember the chapter and verse. I remember sometimes the scripture, but always concept, right? I understand the principle of it. And I'm saying that to encourage you because you don't have to quote the whole scripture, but you just need to know what the scriptures say. And so what did Jesus do? He, he used the word, that's like our sword, but he spoke to him and said, no, I command you to go. I'm gonna skip the second temptation, but I want you to see something with the third. So here's the third, Matthew 4 and verse eight. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. The devil actually had control of the earth at this time because when Adam and Eve sinned, God gave them control when, when he made them. When they sinned, they legally gave it over to the devil. God could have taken it, but he didn't want to take it illegally, so Jesus took it. When Jesus died, was buried, Jesus took it back. So Jesus took it back legally. But at this time, this would not be a temptation if it weren't true. And so it is true. And, and it is a temptation. And he's saying, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. Now, here's one of the greatest tricks of the devil, guys. It's a big trick. Um, when you're going through any tough time, he'll try to get you to take a shortcut. So here's Jesus. What's his future? I gotta die on the cross, be beaten, take the sins of the whole world. And then what does the enemy do? He says, I can help you bypass all of that. You can bypass it all. Just worship me and I'll give it to you. Now, obviously, there'd be some problems after that, but it's a temptation, right? And that's what happens with us. Man, when something's coming at our lives, uh, the enemy's always gonna put thoughts in our lives to take the short road, to take the shortcut, and to do something else. And I just wanna encourage you, man, never do that. Do what Jesus did, because God has something amazing that's waiting for you if you go ahead and you just say, no way, this is what the Bible says, and that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus is amazing. So listen to verse 10. He said, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, I've never had angels come after resisting a temptation. I think you have to fast 40 days for that to happen. But guess what? We have something even better. We have the Holy Spirit, and when you and I make it through a big temptation, and we say, no way, I'm gonna do the right thing. We fight those thoughts out. I'm telling you, God will minister life to you after you resist the enemy. But here's what I want you to see. You do it by position, and you have the right to resist, and you have to do it. You can mind your mind. So I have two examples. I'll close out with these examples. Here's the first one. You and I can take authority over fearful thoughts. And there's the obvious fearful thoughts, right? Some people are afraid of the dark. Uh, they can't sleep in a house unless somebody else is with them. And most of us grow out of that. Some of us don't, and I'm not saying it's bad if you haven't. But uh, there's all kind of fearful thoughts. How about fearful thoughts of uh, you know, stepping out and doing something that you know you need to do? How about fearful thoughts of the unknown? How about fearful thoughts 
of what's gonna happen to your life and the devil, maybe, maybe you're dealing with a sickness and the devil just begins to hit you and tell you, you know, you're not gonna make it, you're gonna, you're gonna die. Whatever it is, uh, relationships, and he'll just hit you and beat you concerning any relationship problems. And you and I have to know we have the right to resist and we just speak to that thing. So here's a scripture and there's tons of them. But it just shows you why you should just say no to fear, resist it. Uh, here it is, Psalm 27.1. Here's why we should never fear anything. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Man, the Lord, he's my light and my salvation. Listen to this. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble. Take it in the New Testament. I, can't, I, I know it's Romans 8, but I, see, I can't remember the verse. But, but the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? And so why are we going to fear when we know God's right there by our side? The Bible says he goes before us, he's with us. And so how do you resist that? You say, fear, whatever thought it is, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. And you have to know, I have authority over this thing has to listen to me. The enemy has to listen to me. And, and then you, you just can quote some words. Say, no, God, God is for me. God's going to fight for me. Whatever it is, just say it however you want. And I'm telling you, those thoughts will flee. I want to share one more with you. Uh, we can take authority over sinful thoughts. And there's all kinds of sinful thoughts, right? There's a sinful thought of wanting to give someone a piece of your mind, right? That's, does that ever hit you? It's, it hit me in that courtroom. It's hit me a lot, you know? It hits me a lot. And I just, wanna, I just want justice, you know? And I want to say, no, this has to be done that way. You want to point your finger at somebody. Uh, it could be that. Some, it could be to lie. Uh, it could be to cheat. Um, it could be any kind of sin that you can imagine, and, and you, you and I have to understand when those thoughts come, we need to resist them. But can I show you why? Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That word become means to be born. So when you accepted Jesus, you were born righteous. Uh, you are holy and blameless in God's sight. So let me say it to you this way. If you're a Christian, you're way up here. I don't care who you are. If you accepted Christ, this is where your position is. And the devil's going to try to put thoughts in our, our minds so we fall and we live down here. Now, if you live down here, you're going to go to heaven because you accepted Jesus. But uh, this is not a fun place to live, guys. There's no life down here. And so uh, the reason you want to resist and say no to those things is so you can live up here. And this is an incredible realm to live in. But... You can mind your mind. You have to say no to those thoughts, whatever they are, any kind of thoughts, but sinful thoughts. So I'll tell you a quick story. Um, when I was in Bible school, I worked at a convenience store named Quick Trip, a lot like a Sheets. I, was the, I worked at midnights. And uh, this particular store had a rack full of pornographic magazines, which was something I was into before I met Jesus. This is before the internet. And uh, I had to work all night. And I had to mop the floors, buff the floors, face the shelves. And so around three in the morning, I'm doing all that. And every time I got near the magazines, I'm like this, you know. Uh, this is before they had to cover them. And it's like, I'm not, I don't want to look at that. And I'm like, the people probably thought something was wrong with me, right? And I did everything in my power. And I'm telling you, most nights, thoughts popped into my head. This is what I call sinful thoughts. Uh, Joe, you can look. No one's going to know. You're all by yourself. You can buy a book. You just pay cash. They'll never know you bought it. And, and these thoughts would hit my mind. And I'm proud to say, I, I hadn't known enough back then, and I just want to encourage anybody that's struggling with it. 
I am proud to say that the whole time I was in Bible school, I never once picked one of those books up. And you can, you can do the same thing with any kind of sin that wants to come at you. You can resist, and the devil has to flee from you. So we can mind our mind. I know we gave it up once, but can we give it up one more time and just say thank you, Jesus? Thank you for our authority. It's amazing. It's amazing. God is so good. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I did my best teach this part of the Bible. I thank you for every precious person in this place. We're all at different places, Lord. Some have been here forever. Some, some Lord, are new. Um, some know how to do this. I'm just helping, encouraging them to go to the next level. But Father, all of us thank you for our position. Thank you, Jesus, for seating us right next to you. Father, thank you for making us aware that we can mind our mind, that we can take authority up there. And Lord, I pray for every person listening. All of us are in a different place. All of us have different things that we're dealing with. All of us are going through different struggles, which bring different attacks from the enemy in our brains. Lord, I just thank you for giving everyone here a grace to see this and to go to the next level and to overcome in this area of their life. Father, thank you for what you do. Give us the grace to walk in this. And his heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, maybe you walked in not being sure of your forever. And I can tell you, when before I accepted Jesus, I came to a place where I didn't believe God existed. My parents took me to church, but then my brother died and I was so angry with God when he died. And I was like 18 when he died. And I just walked away from God. And then God came to me and I met Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's the most incredible thing ever. So maybe you walked in not believing God exists. Uh, maybe you've gone to church your whole life. But here's my big question. What have you done with Jesus? The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God but through him. He's amazing. The book of Romans says in, in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you'll be saved. And I like that part, confess with your mouth that he's Lord. You just, you just say, Jesus, I accept you as Lord. I make a decision to follow you and give you my life. That's what it means to make him Lord. And so if you're listening, you say, you know what? I'm ready to do that. Would you pray with me right now? TCI Borman, Warren. And those of us that have prayed, can we help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Father God, I realize I was born sin stained. So this day, I look to Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for the sins of the whole world, that God raised you up out of the grave. And this day, I accept you as Savior. I call you Lord, and I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. 
the best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.